Well, good morning once again. Um, I know I have shared this with, uh, with uh, many of you. I was sharing it just a little bit earlier this morning, but uh, earlier this summer, um, our family uh, sold the home that we had lived in for, uh, for 15 years, and uh, we sold it to a wonderful couple, and uh, we, uh, we bought the house right next door to the church property. Um, and God really, part of the reason, well, actually the reason, was God gave us a vision um, as we prayed about it, uh, it gave us a real vision for what it m- might look like to invest our lives in, and in this neighborhood and become more of an extension of the ministry in the neighborhood. And, and, um, and so it, it's been really cool to, to kind of walk through this, but the, but the house that we purchased, it's in, in need of a bit of renovation. And uh, if you have, some of you guys have been over there, if you haven't been over there, feel free to stop by. Um, but it, it, it was built in 1943, and uh, over the course of that almost 80-year lifespan, it has served a few different purposes. At one point, it was a daycare. Um, at one point, it was a rental unit, and, and uh, also it's you know, just served as a primary residence. And, and so there's a, a, a few different things that have been done to the place. At some point, there were some renovations that were done for the daycare, and then at another point, there were renovations that were done to turn it back into a, a place where people could, could live. And so um, what our hope has been is to turn it back into its primary purpose as a, as a home. But what's been interesting is we don't really know exactly what it looked like when it was first built. Uh, and uh, so we've, some of the things we've been able to discover. Um, so for instance, as you walk into our front door, which is one of many doors in the house, uh, as you walk into the front door, there was this wall that kind of made the living room very, very small. We came to find out that was actually used as a bedroom at one point. So we took that wall down and opened it up and the wood floors go all the way underneath and it's like, oh, this wasn't originally here. This is actually meant to be a very large living room. Hallelujah, this is great. And so we, we, we've discovered that. But then there's some other things that are still a little bit of a mystery. For instance, right now we're renovating our uh, bathroom and when the, the floors got ripped out, uh, we discovered that there are three different holes. Normally, there's one hole that you would put the toilet over top of, right? And that's where the plumbing comes up. Well, there's three of those. And there's also like, a, like kind of a cutout on the wall. And so the best that we can figure is that there were, at one point, three toilets in our bathroom. I mean, I guess as a daycare, you know, you probably need multiple things, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about, you know, multiple toilets in a bathroom, but we, so, so there's still a little bit of a mystery, like what, what walls were where and everything like that. Now, as we're renovating this place, what I would not give to know what it looked like when the first residents moved into that house, like, what did it look like all of those years ago, what, you know, what, what, what were the, where were the walls? What did everything, you know, what shape did it take on when, when someone uh, first moved into this residence? This week, we're in our third week on the chapter, on the book of Acts and, and this series that we've been going through. And what's cool about this is we're looking at this last passage in chapter two of the book of Acts. And what we find here, what Luke gives us, is he gives us a picture of what the church looked like when the Holy Spirit first moved into the church. And what a cool picture it is that he provides us uh, here. If you recall last week, we looked at how uh, the Holy Spirit burst into the, onto the scene and into the lives of the believers during the festival of Pentecost. And, and, and we saw how through the Holy Spirit, the, 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 there was this transformation of the life of, of, of many as well as the transformation of the life of one and the life of the Apostle Peter. And we see how thousands of people came to believe in Christ, right? A 30% increase, right? I meant 30 times last week. For those who weren't here, I got caught doing really poor math. And then some, like John was like, hey, did you plan that? And I was like, dude, it's math. Like, I don't plan anything with math. Like, no, it was an honest mistake. Um, so I'm just bad at math. Um, but, um, 
So we saw this, you know, Luke shares about how thousands of people came to believe in Christ. And then right after this, Luke gives us this summary of life in the church and what it looked like and what it looked like as a believer in those early days. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at this passage and we're going to explore a few things that Luke shares in this account, which were characteristic of that first group of believers. And as we do that, I think there's some, you know, there are some questions that kind of pop to the surface in this and beg us to ask them. You know, because while we may live in a very different time, we live in a very different culture, a different, different place than what we read here. There are obviously many lessons that we can learn from this passage in relation to how we follow Jesus together. And, and, and we can really use this passage in a lot of ways as a diagnostic to see you know, how is it that we are doing? What are the things that we're pulling from here or can pull from here that can help shape who we are as, as a, a group of believers. And so we're going to work through some of that as well. Uh, I want to just read through this passage. Uh, thank you to Katie for the enthusiastic uh, uh, hosting and, and reading through this passage. But we're going we're gonna to just have this up on the screen uh, for most of the, the, um, the morning and kind of just work through this. But here's what it says, Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved so we read through this passage and and there are characteristics that we see here and luke tells us about what what took place in those first days after pentecost as the holy spirit came and and really this is this is a picture of the spirit the spirit-led church in those first days after pentecost and and so as we look through this passage, there are uh, seven things that we are going to, to kind of look at. And, and uh, of those seven things, four of them are here in that very first verse, verse 42. And so we're going to look at, at, at those. But first, there's a reason that devoted is bold and, and underlined here. And, and it's because we, we don't want to skip past this. As we, before we look at those four things, that word devoted really points to how this became the centerpiece of the lives of the believers. The, 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 their faith in Christ wasn't something that was just added into their life. It wasn't just an add-on. It wasn't something that, you know, much like we can do at times, you know, that they just separated it out. They had their work life over here, and they had their, you know, their, their social life over here, and they had their gym life over here, and their family life over here, and then, oh yeah, here's my life with Jesus. Here's my church life over here. It wasn't, you know, something that they compartmentalized like that. It, it, their life in Christ became that which shaped everything else. They committed themselves fully to this. And that's what that word devoted. They committed themselves fully to this. They persisted in this. They were all in. And so we don't want to skip over that word. Sometimes we can just skip over that word before we get to the rest of these things. But they, it says they devoted themselves to this. So what is it that they devoted themselves to? What did they commit themselves to? Well, the first thing that the text says is that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles had been with Jesus. They had followed Him. They had learned from Him. And so now, they have this opportunity to pass on to all that they had learned and share the, the, His words with these new believers and to share the accounts of all of the miraculous things that they had seen Him do. You know, here they were teaching these new Christians about the, the, the life and teachings of Jesus. And in doing that, what they were, they were carrying out was the Great Commission. You know, Matthew 28, Jesus said, go and make disciples. Baptize them and teach them everything that I've commanded you. 
you know and so so here that is exactly what is going on is that the, the apostles and we we see if we back up in in chapter two you know all of these new believers have been baptized right and now they're being taught all of these things by the apostles and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and so so here they are teaching them about jesus and, and telling them about the life of jesus much of what would have become the the new testament i would imagine is what's being spoken here right as they're talking about the, the, the life of Jesus. And of course, they're breaking open the, the Hebrew Scriptures as well and exploring how that pointed to Jesus as the Messiah. Peter did that earlier in chapter 2. He pointed to how Jesus was the Messiah and broke open the, 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 you know, the word of the prophets, right? Uh, John Stott, I love this, he said that the Holy Spirit opened a school in Jerusalem that day. Its teachers were the apostles whom Jesus had appointed. And there were 3,000 pupils in that kindergarten. <laughs> I love that. Uh, there was this devotion to the teaching of the apostles. And, and, and to look at this is important for us because what it does is it shows us that the church desired to learn. You know, they were teachable. They craved knowledge. They, they craved to learn about Jesus. They desired to open up their minds to the things of God. They were thirsty for the truth of God. And they were drinking deeply from the well of the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of truth. Now, now I said that you know, this stuff brings up questions that I think are helpful to navigate. And most of those we're going to talk about at the end. But I think that it's, it's helpful for us to stop here and ask the question of ourselves, are we teachable? Are we, are we willing to learn? Do we desire to learn? Or do we come to Scripture, do we come to teaching and go, well, I just want to see if it confirms whether we say this out loud or not. And if you do, kudos to you for being honest. But you know, does this just confirm what I already believe? Or am I willing to open myself up and learn? And, and, and ha maybe have the Holy Spirit convict me in some places and, 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 and teach me and shape me and mold me. Are we teachable? Or are we just coming and saying, yeah, I, I, I kind of already know it. And so here we see in this picture the, they, they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were open and, 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 and willing and they desired to learn the second thing that Luke describes going on here, he says that they devoted themselves to fellowship, or in some translations, the fellowship. Now the word fellowship has come to mean a lot of different things. It's, we use it in a lot of different ways. For instance, we have a fellowship hall right out here, right? Uh, uh, there's the fellowship of Christian athletes, right? Uh, some doctors' organizations are called fellowships. Um, the uh, time after the service, we sometimes call a time of fellowship. Yesterday, I was playing basketball with a group of guys, and most of them are believers. And, and at one point, I was, uh, I was chasing after a loose ball with a guy, and uh, he gave me the right hand of fellowship to my nose. <laughs> and uh, and so, so we use the term fellowship in a lot of different ways, but what does it really mean? Well, the word that is used here is koinonia, and it's a bit complex uh, because it doesn't translate easily into one single word in English. The basic idea behind this word is that of, of, of sharing, and, and, and also in, it is that of intimacy and that of togetherness. And so there, there, there's kind of this dynamic uh, um, sense in, in which this word is used. It is, and it's used in different contexts as well, and so it kind of takes on a different shape depending on the context that it is used in. Here, it points to that of being in agreement with one another and, and, and being united in purpose and, and serving alongside one another and, 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 and it is life together in Christ. It is this togetherness, which is why when it, some translations say the fellowship, it's kind of looking at this overall, this umbrella of which all of this stuff kind of falls under. You know? and, so, and that's what we see here is in this context, that's, that's kind of what it's pointing to. In fact, if you look at uh, verse 46, it says every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That is a, a, a 
a picture of, of, which, uh, of fellowship, of which this all falls underneath. Now, we also see it elsewhere in Scripture uh, where it's, we are said to have fellowship in Christ. Uh, 1 John uh, chapter 1 says this. It, it says, Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And, so, and, and, and that passage goes on to talk about not only our fellowship in Christ and with Christ and with God the Father and with, 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 with Christ, but also our fellowship with one another. You know, it says in verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. So, so it's really this picture that we see in Scripture of how our fellowship with one another is based on our common fellowship with Jesus Christ. Our koinonia with, with, with each other is based on that very same thing, our, our koinonia or fellowship with Jesus Christ. Now, now, here's the danger that we get into sometimes. Because we see some, a passage like this and we kind of pick and choose what we want to go after, right? And we go, oh, I love the, the picture of fellowship here. Like, and so we need to just chase after that, you know? And we, we begin chasing after fellowship and we begin chasing after meeting together and all of these things for the sake of fellowship right and, and and rather than for the sake of of Christ but but uh, A.W. Tozer he he, he uh, has a great uh, quote on this he says has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other they are of one accord by being tuned not to each other but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So, 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. What he's saying is if you're, if you're chasing after fellowship for fellowship's sake, you're going to miss it. But if you chase after Jesus, you're going to get them both. You're going to get, it, it's what, you know, C.S. Lewis, he said, he said, uh, you aim for hev heaven and you get earth thrown in, but you aim for, for earth and you get neither, right? And so, so there is this, this, this picture here that, of, you know, of, of fellowship with God, but then fellowship with others, and that fellowship with others flows from that fellowship or that koinonia that we have with Jesus Christ. And so Luke, he shares this, this word for fellowship here, and, and we see it, it exemplified in this whole passage, but it comes from the source of their fellowship with Jesus Christ. Uh, next it says, they broke bread. Now this, is the, this and the other reference that we see here could refer to participation in the, the Lord's Supper or to just sharing common meals together. The same language is actually used in different places for, in Scripture for, for each of those. And, and what's likely uh, here is because there's a, a couple of usage, there's two uses of, of this breaking of bread. They broke bread and the breaking of bread. What's likely here is that both of these are in view. Because many times what would happen within the early church is that the celebration of the Lord's Supper would actually take place within the context of a, a common shared meal. And they would call them love feasts. In fact, if you look in the book of Jude, you see that. You know, they're referred to as love feasts, and, uh, which is kind of a cool name for, for that. Um, but, you know, they, they would have this common shared meal. And then at, during that, they would break bread. And, and, you know, if you take it back to the beginning, of, of where the apostles were with, with Jesus and that very first Lord's Supper. That's exactly what was taking place, right? They're sitting around a table and Jesus is talking to them and He's teaching them and they're, and they're sharing a meal together and He breaks the bread and, and, and He says, this is my body, you know? They drink from the cup, this is my blood. And so you can imagine that as the, as the apostles, as they, they, they you know, have, are just 40 days removed from that, you know, as they had broken bread with, the, with, with Jesus in the upper room, now here you can imagine them carrying that over and, and teaching th these new uh, disciples all about what had happened in that upper room and all about what Jesus said and, 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 and including that and, and talking about the other times that they had, had sat and had meals with Jesus as well. 
You know, I, I, uh, I know that some of you guys, uh, we, we've talked about this in the past. There's something that happens around a table. There's something that, that is available around a table when you're sharing a meal. Um, many times, not always, because there's still some awkward meals that we share, uh, but many times, uh, the setting of a table and a, and a meal together, shared, it just serves as this great facilitator for growing in relationship with one another. We love, love being able to, 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 to share meals with, with others. And so that's actually, you know, I talked earlier about the house. That's one of our, our, our visions for this is because we have this big dining room. Right now there's a, a bathroom vanity in our dining room, so it's not, not good for meals, but we're hoping next week we can move that out of there. Um, but, uh, but, but there's, you know, there's something about sitting around a table and just talking about life and talking about faith and talking about Jesus and breaking bread with one another. I, I just think it, it's this great facilitator for growing in relationship with one another. And so as you think, look at this passage, you can just picture the, the, the believers doing this regularly. And it's this cool picture of growing deeper as they ate together with one another. The fourth thing that, that we see here is, is prayer. It says that they devoted themselves to prayer. Now, this is the general Greek word for prayer, and it would have included individual and corporate prayer of different types, prayers of thanksgiving, uh, prayer of praise, which we see later on in the passage, petition, confession, intercession. All of these things would have likely been included he here. And since the, these were devout Jews, that, that had the, these new believers you know, were devout Jews, they, they would have likely included prayers from the Old Testament as well, prayers from the, 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 the Hebrew Scriptures that, that were common to Judaism. You know, some have said that, that the early disciples, they actually took up the practice of praying through the Lord's Prayer. How the, the kind of the, the, the framework, the model for prayer that Jesus had given them uh, earlier on. And they took that up and, and each day, they would go through that multiple times because the custom was to, uh, I believe, three times daily to, 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 to pause for prayer. And so there's these regular interv intervals of prayer throughout the day. And, and so some have said that the, the Lord's Prayer kind of worked its way in and became part of the practice of the early church was to walk through that. What a cool thing. Because, you know, that's such a, the top-down prayer, you know. Uh, what is, where does it start? Our Father, you know. It starts with the glory of God. It starts with, with who God is, and then it works its way down all the way through, you know, talking uh, about, about the, the provision that we need each day, you know. And, 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 and uh, you know, temptation, like, you know, lead us not into temptation, you know. And so just that, what, how cool would that have been for that to be the practice of their lives uh, you know, e each day. See, these early Christians, they understood the importance of coming before the Lord and in prayer and seeking His leading and seeking His blessing. And so they devoted themselves to this. They devoted them. This was a centerpiece of their life. It wasn't just an add-on. See, sometimes we just, we go, like, so, so, we're walking through stuff, and we're walking through stuff and go, and then we finally go, oh, maybe I should pray about this. Like, yeah, like that, that, you know, and so here we see this picture. This is a centerpiece of their life, not just when situations arose that they needed it, but daily coming to God because they knew he was the one that was sustaining them. He was the one that was leading them. And so the fellowship, that connection with God, that communion with God, that koinonia with God was, was something that, 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 that was, was spurred on and, and was a, an integral part of that was in prayer with him. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he wrote a, a great book on Christian community. And um, he said this, he said, a Christian fellowship lives and exists by the intercession of its members for one another. He says, I can no longer condemn or hate a brother for whom I pray, no matter how much trouble he causes me. His face that hitherto may have been strange and intolerable to me is transformed in intercession into the countenance of a brother for whom Christ died. The face of a forgiven sinner. That's the power of prayer. 
That is the power of prayer. Can you imagine that these, and we see this for sure in the life of Paul, but these apostles, there's 3,000 of these men that have come to faith in Christ. And at one point, they, you know, they didn't believe in this, you know? And so, so there were some differences being worked out, probably, in some of that. The Holy Spirit's working through all that. But even in our modern-day context, there's times where we have these disagreements and we have these rifts. And, 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 and in prayer, what Bonhoeffer's saying is, he, he says, when I pray for you, I can't, I can't hate you. Because what I'm, what I'm brought to is this place where I see you as if I'm looking in a mirror. I see you as one whom Christ died for. I see you as the face of a forgiven sinner. Now, how wonderful if that's the reality of our lives. If that's the reality that we... We, we begin to pray for those who rub us the wrong way. We begin to pray for those, not just those who we get along with and we love, but those who we have a really hard time with, but those who have put their faith in Christ. And we say, that's my brother, that's my sister. I'm going to pray for them and, and, and because, because they are this, I'm looking at a reflection of the grace of God in their life just as well as I'm looking at it in my life as well. Just as his blood has covered me, he died for them as well. And so this devotion to prayer characterized this first community of Christ followers. Now, now, look, we've seen four of these, and this is just the first verse here. This is verse 42, right? Um, uh, I want to look at a few more things, and there's probably more that we could pull out of here, but there's just... There, there's three more things that I want us to look at within this overall passage. And some of this comes from verse 42, but some of it comes from the broader uh, look at this passage. The first is this. So this is the third thing that we see here. Uh, Aaron, um, I, I get a hard time sometimes because I'll say third and first and fourth. And so if you're following along and you need to know the order, it's, it's, this, is the, this is the fifth? Uh, see? <laughs> Math, right? Gosh. Like counting, is this the fourth? No, this is the fifth. This is the fifth. Okay, so again, all right, you guys can do the math yourselves, whatever. Just follow through. Here's what we see here. We see a generous community. And when we look at this, I think we would call it extreme generosity. But as you look in the the midst of this, maybe they didn't see it as being very extreme at all this is just what the holy spirit was doing in their lives it says that the the believers they sold stuff to provide for others as there were needs that's that's not a direct quote that's uh, they they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need and so what the this character of this this community here of new believers was such that when they saw that somebody had a need for something, that they started thinking, how can I meet that need? Like automatically, how can I meet that need? Well, I've got a house here. I could get rid of that because my house isn't as important as your life. I've got this land here and I could sell that because my having this land isn't as important as you having food. And so, so, so there was this, 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 you know, looking to the needs of one another. And, and here's the thing, you know, we, we can ask, well, where, where do these needs come from? Well, some were just in need because they, they didn't have means. And that was just kind of where they were in life. But also, if you've got 3,000 believers, or 3,000 new believers, they've come from all of these places. Look, we said, you know, Rome was 1,200 miles, right? And all of these different places. And now, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit's like, Boom, just drop kick them, right? And their whole life is different. And they're going, oh man, I gotta, I gotta press into this. You know, some of them likely stayed in Jerusalem for a while. And so, so how do they provide for themselves? You know, once they run out of what they had brought with them, once they run out of the provisions that they had, how do they provide for themselves? And the believers are saying, listen, we're gonna provide for you. We're gonna take care of that. We're gonna figure out how we take care of the needs that you have. Now, 
couple things that we need to cover in this because this text has been used in some, uh, in, in some uh, nefarious ways, okay? And at times we can kind of look at this text and try and just shove everything into to this that we want to be in here, okay? Number one, this is voluntary. Okay? This isn't forced. They're not saying, as a condition of this community, you have to come in and get rid of everything that you own. Okay? That's, not, that's not what's happening here. This is voluntary. They're saying, because of the Holy Spirit working in their life, they're saying, oh, my brother has a need, and I'm going to do everything that, that, that I can do to meet his need because I love him, and I don't want to see him in need. And so, so that's the first thing that we see here is this is voluntary. Okay? This isn't forced, all right? The second thing that we see here is this, is, this was an occasional thing, right? It, 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 you know, it says that as they had need, all right? As they had need, it was like, okay, well, we've got this need here, and we're going to go figure out how to meet this need. I was thinking earlier um, about Hercule. Hercule, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. Um, a, a few weeks ago, we were sharing about homes for South Haiti. And Hercule, I'd never heard this story before, but I was I'm so grateful for it. Hercule said, uh, he was telling us about how Homes for South Haiti got started. He said, I was driving my truck on the route that I was, I was driving, um, and uh, somebody uh, gave me a necklace. Somebody in John's Island gave me a necklace. And he said, well, I don't need a necklace. And so he went and he sold the necklace to, to, to get a brick-making machine to build homes for people in South Haiti. Like, that's the picture here. That's the picture here. I, I, I have this. But I see a need here, and, and this need is greater than, than, than what I have in my hand. And so I'm going to, to use what I have in my hand to give to them. Now listen, again, this is, this is a voluntary thing. It's not that people didn't still have possessions, right? It says they met in homes, right? So if they met in homes, people obviously still owned homes, right? So, so it's not like everybody just came in and, and took this extreme vow of poverty, and, and, and sold everything, but there was this open-handed living that characterized this community of Christ that, that, that was brought on by the Holy Spirit's working in their lives. And if you look further on uh, here in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, we see this continue on. It says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. That is the characterization of open-handed living. It's saying, what's mine is yours. Why? Because God's given me everything I have. It's not because I earned it. It's not because I went out and I made this and so, so I'm just going to hold on to it. I'm going you know, to clench my fists around it. But, but God has given me the ability to work. He's given me the breath in my lungs. He's given me the opportunity to have these things. And, and so I'm going to use them to care for and love, for, love the, those that, that I know have a need. I'm going to use them for, for, for the kingdom. And what a beautiful picture that is that, that, that we can see here. Now, I get that this is tough, okay? Because we're okay with some of the other things, but when we come up against this, this gets a little bit dicey for us because we have to start dealing with where our heart is. We have to start dealing with where our treasure is, right? But I think the opportunity that we have here is to use a passage like this as a diagnostic and to say, am I really living in an open-handed way? You know? Now, hear me on this. Am I saying that God's telling you to go sell your home? No, I don't know. Maybe he is you got to deal with that but if he's calling you to my advice is like listen right because the greatest satisfaction that you'll ever have is being right in the center of God's will and if that's God's will for your life then go do it but I'm not telling you to do that okay I don't think the scripture's telling you to go do that either okay but I think we need to be willing to listen to the Holy Spirit and be willing to listen to God when he's prompting us to move. Because as he prompts us to move and as we're obedient to that call, he walks us into greater and greater and greater things. And as we can live with our hands wide open and, 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 and take everything that he's giving, uh, given us as a blessing and, and say, you know what, God? Like, you're giving it to me, but I just want to be a conduit. Just let it flow through. Let it flow through. And you know, God provides for us 
I love, I was, um, I was watching a message from Francis Chan, and he was talking about this. He said, you know, some people have said, like, well, well you know, what if, what if you give all your stuff away, and then you're 80 years old, and you don't have any food to eat, and, you, you know, and you're, you're, you're starving. And he said, you know, I thought about that, and there are two things. One, God in his, his word, he says that, you know, if we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, that all these things will be added to us. He'll provide for us. He'll take care of us. And then he said, you know, the second thing I thought is, well, if that does happen, and if we die of starvation, because we've given everything away for the kingdom like how cool is that like how cool is that as the mark of our lives and I think that that's what a wonderful what a out, you know, mindset for us to, to have is how cool is that that if, if, if we come up against something like that it's because we gave it all away for Jesus we gave it all, all away for the kingdom of God you know and so, so I just think you know, we see this picture here of this community and 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 there's this radical generosity it's this open-handed living and it's a beautiful beautiful thing next thing we see this was a missionary community this was a missionary community it says the lord added to their number daily those who were being saved as they lived out this new faith they shared it with those around them as the apostles broke open the scripture in the temple and and they gathered in homes this community of believers were used to draw others in you know they um it says the uh, they enjoyed the favor of all people you can imagine and we, and we know that this is de- that's descriptive right because next chapter what happens they start getting persecuted so they didn't always enjoy the favor of all people right but at this time the holy spirit's working in their lives and they're enjoying the favor of all the people and, and the lord's adding to their number daily those who are being saved and you can almost imagine that people are on the outside they're going oh man look at this what's going on here like they're selling all their stuff to provide for anybody who has need like they're meeting together day after day and they're in these homes and they're loving one another and they're and they're caring for one another and they're and and and, you know what is this i want to be a part of that you know i i I, talking to tristan i i know uh in the past you used the term magnetic church right like that's the church in acts and i think that there there is that you know it's like these you know they're like metal shavings being drawn to a a, a, you know a magnet here because you see what the lord is doing you see the holy spirit at work in the lives of the believers and you go oh that's the joy i want that's the life that i want i want to be a part of that you know and, and, and that's exactly what was happening as the Holy Spirit was working through them. And they, as they had been called to be witnesses, his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, here's where it's happening. It's starting in Jerusalem. And the, the Lord is, is bringing to, to them new believers who are going to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer and to breaking bread bread into the fellowship and to and 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 living out this radical generosity so this was this new community the spirit led and filled community was a missionary community now the last thing i want to want us to to see here is that this community was a worshiping community it was a worshiping community now where do we see this well they sat underneath the apostles teaching they devoted themselves to prayer, to the practice of prayer, the, the breaking of bread, enjoying the Lord's Supper, praising God, meeting together in the temple courts. You know, not, not just in homes. I know there's a lot of people who take this passage and they go, well, that, this means that we should just go start meeting in homes. Okay, great. No, that's awesome. I think you should. But also it says that they were meeting in the temple courts as well. And so there's, there's this, this, this main gathering that's happen, happening in the temple at that time as well as in homes, right? And so there's this worship that we see going on here, prayer and praise and sitting under the word in the temple and in homes. This was a community that was set on worshiping God together because they saw him as the centerpiece of their life. And so their lives were devoted, committed to worshiping him. Now, these are the characteristics we see that, uh, here in this passage of this, this early church as the Holy Spirit exploded in their midst. And, and listen, we can't separate the Holy Spirit from these characteristics. You know, the Holy Spirit is working through them and working in their lives, and the, and the result of it is everything that we see here. It's this beautiful picture of the kingdom of God lived out on earth. Now, what do we do with this? You know, I said we were going to ask some questions. We've already asked a few questions. But 
I think this passage can be very helpful because, it, it, again, it can serve as a diagnostic. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that our church, our lives are supposed to look exactly like this to a T. And I think that we, 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 we do poorly. We're, we're, it, it's, it's not a good thing when we try and do that. When we say, oh, we've got to kind of pigeonhole everything into this because God is working you know, in different ways, right? He's the same God, but he, he, he works throughout culture, and he works throughout time in, 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 in many different amazing ways, okay? So I'm not saying that our lives are supposed to exactly look like this to a T, you know? But I think that we can look at this passage and go, well, how are we doing in this? You know? Are, are there areas here that we see? Are there, you know, are there themes here? Are there you know, things that the Lord is, is showing us here within the Scripture that, that maybe are kind of lacking in our lives? And it, it, if so, maybe it, it opens us up to the question, well, have I surrendered myself fully to the Lord's working in that area of my life? You know, here's the cool thing. I was going through this this week and I was thinking, oh, I love our church. I love this church. I love you guys so much because I see the Holy Spirit working in our midst and I see these things. I see these things being lived out. Are there areas that we can grow in this? Absolutely. And we'll continue to grow until the Lord comes again by His grace, right? We'll continue to push, push into these things and, and open ourselves up to these things more and more uh, by His grace, right? And by the Holy Spirit's power within our midst. But I look at these things and I go, yeah, like, like worship, you know? All this, this, these past couple of weeks and, and this week ahead, life groups are meeting. People are, are meeting with one another and praying with one another and digging into the Word with, with one another. And what, a, what a, a cool thing. Some of those are happening here at church. Some of those are happening in homes, right? And what a cool thing that those are going on. And, and listen, if, if, if you are not plugged into one of those, love to talk to you about that and, and, and find out you know, where we, we might be able to plug you into one of those. Because it, it, you know, when we have those opportunities to be in those small groups, and we have a, a, an opportunity to, you know, as Paul or as uh, Luke was saying, with fellowship, you know, to share life together in a different way than we do within this context of, of meeting together on Sundays. You know, but... but thinking about you know worshiping together and fellowship the, you know, the urgent needs you know uh Hercule again sent me pictures this week of of you know a few weeks ago we uh we uh, gave to provide rice to people in 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 Haiti who were in need and and it was amazing and and I'll make sure to to we'll make sure to put some of those pictures up so you can see as they're you know filling these these uh bags of of rice that had had been provided through this congregation because the congregation said there's a need here and I've got something and so let me give it let me give it to provide for that need and that's that's what a a beautiful thing that is to be a part of and you know and and the list goes on and on I know you know those of you who are meeting together and sharing dinner some of you guys are so gifted in hospitality you're always you always have people over at your house and that's an awesome thing. I love that. But I just encourage you more and more, like just open up your homes and, and meet with one another and share meals with one another. But I just, I look at this and I go, I love that, that so much of this stuff is on display in our midst. Now, I want to, I do want to say this. I know we're kind of drawing close to the end. If you look at all this stuff and it becomes a burden to you and you start adding on the things that you think you need to do and that you're supposed to do to be a good Christian, if this becomes a list of, of burdens for you, then I think that's a good place to start. Because this isn't, that's not what, what's going on here. Luke's not telling us this is what you need to add to your life, you know? Luke's saying the Lord is such that when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you and you surrender fully to his life, look what happened. Look what happened in their lives. 
And so if you're looking at it and going, I don't want to add that on to my life, well, I, my encouragement is, well, maybe come back a few steps and go, Lord, have I surrendered my life fully to you? Have I surrendered my life fully to you? And if you haven't, that's a great opportunity to do it. Great opportunity. Like, Lord, you know what? Like, and whether it's been 20 years following Jesus or one month following Jesus, great opportunity to come back to the Lord and maybe even daily come back to Him and say, where am I not fully surrendered to you? Where am I not opening up my life to the working of the Holy Spirit in and through me? And how am I living that out within the context of others as well? Because all of this is, is lived out in the context of others. You know, we, we, we live and grow and, and, and love together. And so, and I know it's messy. You know, we talked a little bit about this. Community is messy, right? It's, there's warts, right? Like, you got to put up with me if you want to be in a community with me, right? And so, like, that, I, I get it, right? But, but, but it's also the beautiful thing as well because the tie that binds us is Christ. That's the thing that draws us together. And so again, you know, just looking at this, this is a picture of the Holy Spirit invading this early group of believers and making it a church that, that, that sat under the apostles' teaching, was teachable, uh, uh, a, uh, a, a, a church that, that broke bread with one another, that, that, that com- devoted themselves to fellowship, that devoted themselves to prayer, that was radically generous, that was a, a missionary uh, community, and, and also a worshiping community. Which, by the way, speaking of worship, I'm going to invite the team up. We're going to, we're going to close with worship, okay? Because this is, this is we, we have an opportunity to open ourselves up to, to the Lord. But here's what I'm going to do as they're coming up here. I want to give you an opportunity. As I said, you know, we have a real chance to surrender to the Lord. I'm going to lead us through those seven things. I'm going to pause after each one and give you an opportunity to come before the Lord and say, Lord, Am I fully surrendered in this area? Or if you know that you're not fully surrendered in this area, to in your heart say, I'm going to surrender everything to you. I want to surrender this area to you. Okay? And so each one of these things we're going to walk through, and, uh, and the, the team's going to lead us in, uh, in some music as we close this morning. All right? So, Father, we come before you and we open up our hearts, and, and I would just ask if you were, that you would reveal to us if we're fully surrendered in these areas. And if not, that we would be able to hand these things over to you. Lord, are, are, are we fully surrendered in the way of, of opening ourselves up to teaching? To sitting underneath your word? Father, are we fully surrendered to what it looks like to be in fellowship with one another and fellowship with you? Father, have we surrendered our lives in such a way that we open up ourselves to growing deeper with one another through the breaking of bread with one another. And also, Lord, have we made peace with you in such a way that, that we can come to your table and receive that which you've done, your body broken, your blood poured out for us, your presence in our lives. have we surrendered ourselves to you in the area of prayer? Is it just a 
occasional add-on in our life or our lives marked by and devoted to prayer. Father, our our lives lived in an open-handed manner. Do are we willing to give that which you've given to us, to others as we see needs? Or do we push back when we have to think about our treasure? Father, are we surrendered in the way of sharing our faith with others? Are we a missionary people? Are we evangelistic in our lives of sharing about who you are? And Lord, are we worshipers? Do we desire to lift you up and exalt you as the one over all? Are our lives characterized by worship? Father, all these things we bring to you and we surrender them to you and we recognize, Lord, that if your Holy Spirit is that which is it's bringing to mind and convicting things in, 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 in these areas, Lord, that we want to be open and we want to listen, but we also recognize, Lord, that, 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 that there is so much grace Lord, that, that, that you're meeting us right where we are in all of these things. And as we surrender these things, that you're bringing us further and further along into that which you desire, where you desire us to be. And so, so as we surrender these things and we say, Lord, we want this to be the fruit of our lives, Lord, that you are faithful and that your Holy Spirit can work in and through us and bring these things to developing more and more in our lives. And that's what we desire, Father. We desire our lives to look like what you desire it to look like, Lord, that your Holy Spirit power will be working in our midst and in, in, in each of our lives and within this church in such a way that it becomes magnetic more and more because of the Holy Spirit. Not for the sake of becoming magnetic, but because we desire that this would be a place that the Holy Spirit it lives in fullness. That your presence lives within us and goes out from this place in such a way that, that we are witnesses of your goodness and your glory to the world around us. Thank you, Father, for that opportunity. Thank you for that blessing and, and, and the, the, the reality that that can be as your kingdom is lived out here on earth. We love you and we are so grateful to look at your word this morning and to see this example of the spirit-filled and led and driven church. What a beautiful picture it is. Bring those things more and more into our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.